Howdy, folks. This is good old J.R. Jim Ross. I want to thank you for downloading the Ross Report. And I certainly want to thank all the sponsors. We've got some great sponsors who make this possible every single week. The Ross Report this week is sponsored in part by Zip Recruiter. Now, are you hiring? Are you having trouble trying to find the best candidate? Because that in itself can be tough, no doubt. Good candidates are hard to come by, folks. But with Zip Recruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. Their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to do your job. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. Folks, this system works. It's that simple. For the listeners of the Ross Report, you can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, folks, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com forward slash Ross Report to check out the service. Gordon, what do you got today? Well, again, that's uh, ZipRecruiter.com forward slash Ross Report. Where's the gin? That's ZipRecruiter.com forward slash Ross Report to try ZipRecruiter for free. Uh-uh. I need a drink. He's considered the greatest broadcaster in wrestling history. Yes, sir! And now, WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross, the legendary voice you heard calling every major wrestling match in human history, brings his famous friends to the podcast world. Nice. Welcome to the Ross Report. Indeed, Slover Knocker Audio is on the air. I thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for downloading our program. Tough week. We lost Bobby Heenan on Sunday, my dear friend, my former broadcast partner. I love Bobby. And uh, no wrestling death has struck me harder than this one in recent memory, for sure. There's been a lot of these passings, uh, transitions uh, that many of our peers have made. But this one really hit home. More on that uh, in this program, because we're going to talk to three men that all had different levels of interactions with Bobby the Brain Heenan, Gene Okerlund, Tony Schiavone, and uh, Gregory Shane Helms, aka Hurricane. So we're all going to talk about we're going to talk about those uh, their experiences and uh, enjoy our memories of the great Bobby Heenan, and we're going to start it off here tonight. My old buddy, Bean Gene. JR, how are we this evening? Good, sir. How you doing? Good. I'm assuming you're in Oklahoma and not in California. Correct, Amundo, sir. I, am, I like to hear that. Yeah, uh, and I appreciate you hopping on here to talk about uh, Bobby. The thing about this is that, you know, both of us are well aware of his health issues the last decade or so. I wasn't aware that he was feeling poorly. And I certainly was not expecting to, to read this news that he passed away on Sunday. Were you aware? No. Were you aware of this latest uh, health issue? Yeah, I, you know what? I had got a note from 
Jessica, not from Cindy. Cindy was kind of protective of of Bobby's health, as you know. Yeah. But but Jess was not, and she's the one that uh, that gave me a shout on on his passing. But I no, I didn't expect it. Yeah. Me Hell, I thought he was fine. I never got any kind of an indication that this was going to happen. I've seen him only a few times, and this situation is so much like if you only knew. If I only knew the last time I saw him was going to be the last time I saw him, I don't know what I would have done differently, but I probably would have hung around longer or something. You know, I could say the same thing about my wife. You know, I didn't know the last time I saw her. I didn't know that either. Hell no. You don't know. So, yeah. uh, But, man, a lot of our buddies have passed, Gene, prematurely. Bobby is 73 years old, I think, I read. 72, 73. 72, yeah. Yeah, Still, what the hell? That's not old nowadays. I don't think. No, not not today it isn't. And please don't say anything to me, for Christ's sake, at my (laughs) age. Yeah, right. (laughs) When When did you and Bobby's paths first cross? 69. Wow. When he first he first came to uh to many. That's amazing. You know, in 1969 was my last year of high school football for the Westville Yellow Jackets. 1969. Our paths regroup along the way. It's kind of weird. But was he any different then than he you remember him being in the WWE back in the day? Yeah, yeah, he you know, as he got older, he got a lot more polished uh, with with his shit. You know what I'm saying. Sure. Yeah. When he and I did challenge, he was a lot like Lawler in such a natural, great gift of timing. And he had a great understanding of the business. Bobby was a very, very bright guy. And some people think that uh, the comedic Bud Abbott and Lou Costello thing, he knew exactly what he was doing. Oh, all, all the way. All the way. Everything he did, Jr. he knew what the hell he was doing. Some stuff that uh, that probably you and I d- didn't comprehend at the time, or maybe even some of uh, you know his peers. Mm-hmm. He was just a very bright, intelligent communicator, actor, athlete. I mean, all of it. I wrote this on Twitter, and I submitted it because uh, the, the New York Times asked me for a quote on the obituary they're going to do on Bobby, and I said, you know, it, for my money. He's the greatest all-round performer in the history of the business. He could wrestle, and he, and that's the thing that people don't they haven't seen. To say Bobby was an average hand would be under an understatement. Bobby was a main event level heel. He was a great manager, as we all know. He was a great broadcaster, and it comes back to that word you mentioned earlier, communicator. He had and he had a great sense of his audience and his timing. He just was so gifted. I got better working with him. I can tell you that. Well, you you'd have to. Because he, he, he rubbed off on all of us. Yeah. Uh, I became quicker not to try outdo the guy, <laughs> but just to kind of uh, direct him. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, But it, it certainly helped me. It helped the business. Yeah, heck yeah. You know, this week, uh, there's been so many tributes to Bobby uh, on uh, online, social media type tributes. A lot of your work with him is getting a, a ton of play. From back in with with an AWA logo behind you, and some of them with a WWF logo behind you. So a hell of a run. Did you enjoy traveling with him when you did? Well, you know what kind of a traveler he was. <laughs> he was he was an up and down guy. So 
Some of it was pleasant. Some of it was very harrowing. <laughs> I mean, my God, getting a plane with Bobby and two cocktails, it, it you know, it could be an ambush. Yeah. <laughs> we all know that, but... But he he was he was delightful. Oh, yeah. From from start to finish, uh, I know this this last uh, ten or twelve years changed him a lot. I took a look at the 2004 induction into the Hall of Fame, and uh, Jack Lanza did it. I think Jack might have been smoking a peace pipe a little before that. But <laughs> Jack had some lapses in thought. Yes, he did. <laughs> but uh, on, on on the other hand. Bobby was still, even with the imperfection of his speech, he was still mentally so quick. And I mean, the things that he did with uh, Pete Rose and just the other people at the uh, head table, it, it, it was just classic Bobby Heenan. Yeah, here's the deal. We, we talk about people, this guy's the smartest guy in the room. This guy's, without a doubt, for my money, in any environment that I've been in, entertainment or sports, Bobby Heenan would always be the funniest guy in the room. And it was almost a mission for him to entertain people, even with no cameras around. He used to call my wife, Jan, I called our house before cell phones got popular to shoot the breeze. And she'd normally answer the phone. So he'd talk to her like a, uh, you know, like a prank caller, breathing heavy. And he'd, he'd tell her, it's, he said, it's, it's a 20, it's 25 D. I'm sitting in 25D. Uh, I was sitting in 25D tonight. I watched your every move, that kind of thing. And so his impersonation was not far from what his real voice sounded like. So he didn't, he didn't uh, get by with it, but she just laughed. And, uh, but, you know, he'd, he'd be pretending he was one of her passengers on a, as she was a flight attendant. So 25D. But, but, but JR, don't, don't you think he was entertaining himself also? Sure. He loved to laugh. He loved uh, to have fun. Of course fun. he did. Yeah. Of course he did. That was part of his personality. It just uh, kind of permeated itself through the locker room or wherever the guy happened to be. If it was on a plane, on a bus, in a cab, uh, in a hotel room. I, I told somebody a story today about, uh, you know, back in the old days, we couldn't associate with each other. And uh, we were up in Winnipeg at uh, some hotel, if you get the name of it, that's... Uh, Really not uh, that, that relevant anyway. <laughs> but uh, Bobby would sneak across the hall when I was having breakfast. I'd get a couple of cups of coffee and some scrambled eggs, a little toast, and some bacon strips. And he'd come on in, and room service would show up. And he'd just slip into the men's room or the <laughs> the bathroom at that time. And a guy would be uh, serving it up at the desk. And all of a sudden, I'd hear this high voice. Honey, I've got my clothes off. Can I come in now? <laughs> and, of course, the guy that was a service guy was soiling himself. Uh, but it was just, uh, you know, brilliant shit. He liked to have fun uh, with with himself and people around him that he enjoyed. And I know he enjoyed that with you oh. for years because I saw it. Yeah, we had so much fun. You know, uh, I was I told this story, and, I'm, you know, my book's going to be out in October and I won't be sure and send you a copy, and maybe you'll read it. I think you'll enjoy it. How much are you going to charge me for it? No, it's on the house. It's on the house. On Autograph the, it, please. You got it. It's on the house, too. Okay. Uh, well, this book coming out, you know, I get a lot of thought about a lot of things that, that period of time. And when I got to WWE in 1993, 
for whatever reason, and I, I know it's probably it was that rivalry with WCW because the the WCW guy was now working for WWF WWE now, and uh, and he made me take a monsoon spot, which got immediate heat on me. I had nobody ever talked to me about taking anybody's well, spot. That, that was at WrestleMania Nine in Vegas. Yeah, and, they, and they, I, I remember it vividly. Yeah. The only like it was yesterday, and yes, you had heat. Yeah, <laughs> and. The only reason that Gorilla didn't do the show, he was sick. He did the intro, pitched it down to me, and then he went to the hotel. He was done. And so, right. uh, but through all that pro wrestling minutia and gossip and paranoia and insecurity, for God's sakes, the two guys that championed me through that, that wilderness to the other side of acceptability to some degree was Monsoon and Heenan. Monsoon had a lot of clout there, you know. Oh, definitely. Definitely. No, he, he, he did. And you know what? Uh, you and I both worked with Heenan on shows. I worked with him on a ton of shows. I did vignettes up to Ying Yang. And still, he he had his deal was with Monsoon. Yeah. It wasn't with JR, even though he worked with you. Yep. And, and did so very, very well. You guys worked like a... A finely tuned to watch. <laughs> uh, I worked with him on on All American, and as I said, all of these vignettes and this crazy stuff that we had to do that was uh, sometimes kind of lingered and became a little testy for Bobby, who who could at times have a very short fuse. He liked to do things but, one or he, two, he liked to do things in one or two takes. Yes, right, and that was it. If it wasn't done then. Forget about it. Forget about it. Uh, we were shooting outdoors in New York City. Temperature was 19 degrees. <laughs> he was freezing his ass off. Yeah. And uh, he he really had uh, very little uh, to say good about the producers, a kid by the name of Kevin Grana, who became a pretty big name later on. But Bobby could have his moments. But you know what? He really, I think we have to admit, was a perfectionist. Mm. Again, I want to reiterate that I think his real relationship was with, with Monsoon because they had so much in common. Yeah, yeah, I agree. They're as good as there ever was. Uh, they they may, and I look, for my money, as you said, can you, hey, uh, we're gonna, you're going to have your own fantasy wrestling league, and we're going to give you Monsoon and, and Heenan. You good with that? Damn right I'm good with that. You kidding me? You bet I am. Absolutely. Take that to the bank. Yes, sir. Hey, Gene, uh, how you feeling? Good? I, mean, us old guys I got feel like city. a million bucks. I'm, as a matter of fact, I'm heading for Sanford tomorrow. Are you really? I am. All right. Well, safe travels. I appreciate you uh, spending some time with us. Are you doing anything? You, any appearances coming up or any uh, any commercial? I, I, I've got I've got one, and I'll probably have to talk to you about that, but I think I'm going to be down in Oklahoma in the not-too-distant future. But uh, I'll give you a scream on that a little bit later on. All Maybe right. you and I can get together and... Quite possibly have a cocktail. Quite possibly that could happen, my friend. Quite possibly could happen. Hey, look, thank you very could much. Could that happen? Yes, <laughs> it can happen. Okay. Shake, rattle, and roll, and I'll be in touch. But in the meantime, uh, continued good luck. 
Hey everyone, Lillian Garcia here. Make sure you check out my new show, Chasing Glory with Lillian Garcia, every Monday on Podcast One. I'm bringing you the biggest stars in entertainment where we discuss their journey to fame. Dave Batista helped kick off the show, and since then, we've had WWE superstar Samoa Joe and undefeated boxing champ Layla Ali. Many more of your favorite athletes and entertainers to come here on Chasing Glory. So hit that subscribe button and hang out with me every Monday. A lot more shows still to come here on the Ross Report. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading for free and for subscribing to Apple Podcasts as well. Uh, folks, you know that uh, FanDuel, big deal here. Great sponsor. And football is back, baby. And that means FanDuel is back big time. Big time. I do not find a man that cloud on woman. FanDuel is fantasy football for everyday fans. There are new contests starting every week, ladies and gentlemen. There's something for everyone at FanDuel. And lots of contests to choose from. Starting, get this, starting at just $1. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. Over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing fantasy sports on FanDuel. Sign up today. That's all I can say to you. Sign up today. Just go to FanDuel.com, click the Join Now button, and use my code, Ross. Folks, don't get left out. This is the NFL season, man. Try FanDuel for free with no deposit required. For goodness sakes, it's a great deal. Visit FanDuel.com to claim your free contest and play for a share of $10,000. Just sign up using promo code Ross. Dean? Well, that would be uh, FanDuel.com, promo code Ross, R-O-S-S. Uh-uh. Void were prohibited, but not the gen. The Ross Report. I certainly hope you're enjoying the program here tonight, a special edition honoring the memory of Bobby the Brain Heenan. And uh, my next guest, my old friend, had a lot of nice uh, outings with Bobby the Brain. Tony Chiani has joined us, and uh, we were laughing about some things that we won't go into here. But I'm glad that we were laughing because, you know, when I, I was, we got the news Sunday of uh, Bobby Heenan's passing, Tony. And I thought, you know, you and I, close as we are, Bobby kind of came uh, to each of us in a time that we probably weren't predicting. In other words, you worked with Heenan in, in WWF, right? And, yeah, for a year, right. Yeah, yeah, and then that's your first foray with him was in working for Vince. Right. Then you get to know him better when he comes down to Atlanta. Right. And uh, I had the opportunity to work with him in, in for Vince as well and, and you know, worked with him on Wrestling Challenge, all that good stuff. So how did you hear about his passing? Uh, actually, uh, Conrad Thompson, who I do my podcast with, Connie. went out for pizza. I love <laughs> Connie loves pizza. That big, and he's, he's so joking. And he said, he said, Bobby died. And I went. And I was driving. Ugh. And, you know, you're never supposed to text and drive. So I went. I just went to Twitter real fast, and I saw your tweet. Uh, uh, you had the first tweet out there that I had seen, uh, and and that's how I found out about it. So that it happened, you know, on Sunday when, it, and it was, you know, Jim, it, it, it when when a friend of yours and a colleague of yours passes away, it, you, it, you think about your own mortality, and mm. and and it, it makes you stop and think, and there's sadness. But Bobby had been sick for quite a while, as we all know. Yeah. Uh, and and I know it was it was hard on him. It was hard on Cindy, hard on their daughter Jessica. Uh, but uh, 
you, you never prepare for something like that, you know? No, it's, there's no manual for it. You know, you and I have talked That's about, right. you know, my situation with Jan earlier this year. You know, there's, right. no, there's no manual for grieving. You kind of do right. it a day at a time, and you do, and you try to make good decisions uh, in the process and as you go yeah. forward. But, you know, Cindy's been such a brave, uh, uh, quite a wonderful wife. Oh, you're not kidding. Because she, yeah. uh, I mean, living with Bobby had to be a blast because he's funnier than hell. He didn't need right. a camera or a microphone to be funny. No, he did not. That's and he was, as, he was as funny away from the camera microphone, like you're saying, with us, you know, away from being on the air. He was as funny there, maybe funnier than he was on the air. He, uh, I don't, you know, we've both been lucky to, to have been able to work with some really good broadcasters in our career in a very crazy business. A unique right. genre that's half-ass athletics, half-ass entertainment, and half-ass uh, vaudeville, and half-ass stand. Oh, I don't know what it is. It's a, yeah. it's a half, a lot of half-asses. Yeah, a lot of half-ass bosses too. <laughs> but that's another story. Yeah, that's <laughs> another, another podcast, right? So, uh, that's right. <laughs> but you know, it's we've been lucky to work with a lot of guys, but I don't know that I've ever worked with anybody on any in any any event on any genre that had the timing that Bobby Heenan had. Is uncanny. Well, yeah, it, it was it, his timing. Was he not only had great timing as far as his stick work was concerned, but Jimmy, if you go back and take a look at some of the stuff he did as a manager, and some of the times when he got involved in you know in wrestling matches when you know he would have to go in the ring and wrestle after being you know a, uh, a manager, uh, his timing in the ring was spectacular as well. Yeah. I mean, he just he knew the business. I mean, the business was made for Bobby Heenan. He was made for the business. He broke in with those guys, you know, learned fundamental psych- psychology. The psychology of the business is what he mastered. And he had yeah. all those great old timers, you know, Wilbur Snyder and Dick the Bruiser and all those guys that came through Indianapolis. And he was lucky that he was able to be in a position from being a gopher for the Bruiser in his Bruiser's own territory to meet a lot of guys. He was a likable guy. He was a funny guy. So you and I are saying, well, he's funny when he's not on camera. He was the same damn way to those guys. I think the guy had a sense of humor with a gift his entire life. I really believe oh, that. But, yeah, I, I do, too. I always thought that, that Bobby could have had a great career as a stand-up comedian. But then again, you know, uh, wrestling was his, his thing. And, you know, he, he you talked about Wilbur Snyder. You talked about uh, Dick the Bruiser. It, it shows that Bobby came up through the territories and was very old school. Mm. But he was able to, in, in a more modern era, be able to relate to you know younger fans, yeah, in in the nineties uh, and in the early two thousands. Uh, so, you know, he didn't. Uh, and I was watching uh, uh, WWE Raw tonight, and they were doing some Heenan tributes, and and I just don't know uh, if as much as they're trying to do justice to Bobby Heenan and his memory, I just don't just don't know if you really can do justice to it in one show. Oh yeah, how just, I don't know how you do that. Yeah, I don't know how you do it either. So I mean, I know they they've tried, but it's still. I mean, he's, he's larger than life. He really is. Yeah, and he's uh, he cast an amazing shadow when you start and think about it. You look, go back and look at all these guys that he had a a major hand in uh, developing and getting them quote unquote over. The thing about Bobby is that everybody he managed got over to some degree, and some to amazing degrees that drew big money as main eventers because Bobby had the ability to talk people into the seats and create an environment right. that's the, so ideal. The fans will pay money to come see me get my ass whipped. 
Exactly. So psychologically sound, pure, simple, don't overthink it. That's just human nature. If they don't, yes. like, they don't like you enough, right, Tony? Oh. Right. Hey, and, and, as an announcer, Jimmy had the ability to do that as well because as a heel announcer, he could put baby faces over just by talking about them. Yeah. And uh, and it was an uncanny thing. And there, there have been other guys who have been able to do it, but Bobby was so good at being able to even make you think that even though that he didn't like this guy, he knew this guy was a great athlete and a great competitor. And I remember as sometimes we would have the Macho Man Randy Savage in a, in a match, and I was just watching it, gosh, maybe like a month ago, and he says, you know, I, I've never liked the guy, but he's nuts. He's absolutely nuts, and the way he said it and his presentation of it made you just believe that this guy was nuts. Yeah, but it, it helped put him over because the way Heenan said it, and the way Bob, he sold it. You're exactly right, and Bobby knew exactly what he was doing. Oh, sure he did. And sometimes the great announcers are able to uh, say less for the more, and then lay out, say something, and then let it lie for a second. Which yeah. sometimes is all the difference in the whole in the world in the presentation. And he was yeah. a master at all that stuff. Yeah. I saw a, uh, a tweet today on my Twitter feed, and a fan said that the favorite moment that they had, that fan had for me and Bobby, was when I I was talking about, and this was really off the cuff. This was impromptu. He and I, I think, were doing a match on maybe like Worldwide, or it was, I don't think it was, it was probably Worldwide. It wasn't a Nitro match. And I said something about the intelligence that, that Hacksaw Jim Duggan is smarter than you think because he seems to always have a game plan. And Bobby proceeded just the next five minutes to nothing but laugh hysterically. <laughs> That's all he did was laugh hysterically. I'm sure you can find that on YouTube. And I remember that and how great he made that match sound, which was basically a squash match. But the way Bobby laughed about Duggan, me saying Duggan was intelligent, we didn't plan that. And he just laughed through the whole thing, and that was that was Bobby Enid. Instincts, man. He has such yep. amazing instincts. I was apprehensive because I didn't know my work would even hold up to working with him because I'm taking Monsoon's place on Challenge. Right. So it's, it's Heenan and me on Challenge, and I thought, man, this is I got some big shoes to fill. First of all, Monsoon's his health was starting to fail, and you know didn't, they, he right. didn't need to be that busy, quite frankly, and, and he wasn't. They, they took care of him in that regard. But work with Bobby was a blast. Did you ever work with him on an ongoing or regular basis? Well, uh, the the regular basis I worked with him was was during the years of WCW Monday Night. Right? Nights, so Monday nights, right on Monday nights. Yeah. yeah, and then and then we all traveled together too. Okay, there you now. Yeah. There's 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 where it gets good. Yeah, that's right. That yeah, because Bobby was, and this is from his heel days. You know, back in the in the old school days when heels really had heat. You know, a lot of them really feared for their lives because of the stuff they had done. Mm -hmm. uh, and Bobby was like that. You know, he, we always, we did the same, same thing, Jim, and we did this thing on Nitro, and we did it on Thunder. And this was Bobby's doing. We would get dressed, we would get made up, and we would get dressed or whatever, and then we would take the rest of our clothes and our bags, and we would put it in the trunk of the rental car. And as soon as the show was over, <laughs> as soon as it was clear, we sprinted. We sprinted to the car, and we were gone. We were gone before anybody because he had said he didn't want to be around because he thought you know something bad could happen to him. And we got we left the uh, the uh, 
the new Boston Garden one time and got stuck in traffic and fans were hammering on the car oh, and pushing on the oh, car. And no. He was petrified. You know, he was petrified. <laughs> he said, you guys don't understand. You don't understand what these people can do. They hate me. Yeah. And I'm thinking, Bobby, you're a star. You're a mega star. If this is not back in the 60s when the, the heat was legit. You're a big star. They just want to see you. But that's, you know, he still had that old school part of it. Yeah. Hey, and, 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 and God bless you for having some of those, maintaining some of those old school principles. You know, his, his work would hold up in today's environment. If his health were good, there's a there's got to be a way, you, you, you can see a lot of ways, that Bobby right. Eaton could still contribute to getting talent yeah. over or telling a story. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm going to encourage your listeners to try to find it on YouTube. I don't know where it is, but there was a tag team match where he was hooked into wrestling. I don't know if he was wrestling with Jack Lanza's his partner or maybe it was Mulligan's partner, but it was up in the AWA and, mm-hmm. and they ended up wrestling a kind of what you would call a mixed tag match, Bobby Heenan and let's say Jack Lanza against uh, Babyface and if I can use the term midget and uh or a short person. Yeah, vertically uh, challenged Tony, vertically yeah, challenged. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> and the way Heenan sold the bumps from that midget is gold. It's yeah. absolute gold. Comedic I mean, gold. Just, Comedic it, gold. It was. And you know, here's the deal. Yeah. Let me tell you how great a performer he was. And you think about this, and you listeners out there, you folks, there's a discerning taste. There's a discerning line. Bobby knew how to take bumps for comedic intent. Mm-hmm. He knew how to take bumps for dramatic intent. Yes. When, the, when the baby face was making a comeback, a well-deserved Finally, I've earned my comeback opportunity to, for Bobby to feed and bounce. That was a serious ass whooping. When he's yes, working, it was. when he's working with a vertically challenged guy or a, <laughs> or, a or a female, he's right. going for comedy, and he takes a different exactly. kind of exactly. Yeah, that's he's a, yeah, he's he's, a genius. Yes, he was absolute genius. Tony, I, I want to mention he's on Twitter uh, at Tony Shivani twenty four. He's been on here before. He's got the same Twitter handle, Tony Shivani twenty four. You should follow him first of all. On that deal, you got any? Hey, by the way, before we continue, you got any appearances or anything? I know you, you guys are still killing in the podcast world. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for that. See, I get this theory, Tony. The more we can help promote each other's business, the more it grows, and the more people get used to uh, downloading wrestling podcasts. Maybe Ham and Eggers, Bobby Heenan reference, like me yeah. and you, will get a uh, piece of the pie. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, Jim, you you always did help me throughout my career, so I appreciate that, and. Uh... We are trying to to figure out when Raw is coming to Atlanta. I think it's coming in November, maybe, yep. or maybe October. I, I don't know. Uh, we're you know uh, uh, the the well known uh, entrepreneur that you know, Court Bauer, is trying to help me with this a little bit. Cool. Uh, we're, we're trying to maybe figure out a time where we can when Raw is coming to Atlanta to uh, do a live appearance there. Cool. And I also, you know, did you hear that the WWE is going to now have Starcade in Greensboro? I did hear that. It's a house, yeah. show, it's a house show, I think, live event. It, right, a live event house show. We were, we have, had discussed maybe going to Greensboro and do something, because I, I think that a live show with me, and we tried it in oh, Dallas, yeah. and, and I think it was so successful, but I think the old mid-Atlantic, you mm-hmm. know, southeast Georgia territory would be good for me to just kind of start this and, and cut my teeth on it. Yeah. So why not? I have, uh, everybody's got their way of doing it. I've refined mine to the best, uh, probably my abilities, but I found out that a shorter opening with poignant and relatable stories for that venue, that market 
right. uh, is uh, your money to start off. And then the quicker that you're able to organically segue into the Q&As with your audience and get your audience involved, the better off you are has been my experience. Because right. we have some very intelligent fans. They ask some really good questions more often than not, quite frankly. And uh, I enjoy engaging them in conversation. And then if you've got a good MC, the MC then can take the fans' question, Tony, and follow up with something else and keep that dialogue going. So it's, it has some, some symmetry, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I, you're, you're exactly right, and I understand that. And, and the fans just want to connect with us. That's you know, right. I, I'm, honored, yeah. I'm honored by that. That's why, they, that's why they follow us on Twitter, and that's why I try to respond to them. Uh, they just want to connect with us, and this is a good way to connect with them face-to-face. Yeah, absolutely. Well, keep me posted on your upcoming events. One of these days, I'll have to do one with you somewhere down the road. Well, we could work that out somewhere. My schedule is during football season. I'm not as busy as you are. Well, I can see I can see you and I doing a, a live show the weekend before Oklahoma plays Georgia for the national championship yeah, on Monday. Yeah, you're talking. I'll do that. <laughs> you book me for that right now if you want. If you can get that done, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I'm in too. Yeah, oh, yeah. But, uh, Absolutely. But who knows? I mean, it, it could happen down the road. It's just uh, both you and I both love college football, and uh, How are the dogs, we're in our element right now. How are the dogs doing? Well, they uh, we went to Notre Dame uh weekend before last. First time I'd ever been to Notre Dame. We beat them by one point. Uh, and uh, we had, Jim, we had 30,000 people. Uh, from Georgia show up and go to the game at Notre Dame, God. which was which was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot a lot of uh, Notre Dame alumnus were very hot about a lot of the people selling their tickets to Georgia fans. Uh, so the dogs are now three and zero right now, but we got Mississippi State coming up uh, this Saturday as we're recording this, and they beat LSU and they're three and zero. So it'd be a good test for us mm-hmm. coming up on Saturday at home. So we're doing okay. We, have, we don't have Ohio State on the schedule that we can run over yeah, like right. the Sooners did, but uh, well, that was we're, a, we're doing okay. That was a pleasant surprise. I thought we could win. I predicted twenty eight to twenty four. But probably not with the conviction that I have been known to in the past. There weren't a lot of questions answered by my team uh, in their first game against UTEP. I'm sorry, yeah. UTEP didn't bring right. the four horsemen out in them, you know? Right. Uh, sure. And no sure. offense to UTEP people, but uh, they just didn't. But they played their butt off. They, they, played their, right. they played a good football game. The young coach is doing well. Lincoln Riley's just really, really bright. You can tell he's a damn savant. You know, right. he just really got he's, he gets it. He's just you, you're, when you're around him and you hear him put sentences together and communicate with any in, any group, recruits or fans or coaches or his players or his superiors, he is a communicator. And somebody's going to say, "Well, is he just a con man?" No, he's a communicator. You can't be a communi- a good communicator and be a goddamn con man. No, you're, you're right. You're going to be found out for God's sake. It ain't going to last long. Yeah, there's another good team in the state of Oklahoma this year, apparently, too. Yeah, good quarterback. That's the big game, man. Uh, that's one of the big games. Uh, oh, oh yeah. yeah, at Oklahoma State. Right. Bedlam, they call it. Should be, I, I'll yeah. go to that game every year because it's a nice little – it's an hour and a half from my house. It's a nice drive. Yeah, right. It's almost like you guys play yeah. in Georgia Tech. Yeah, right. I, well, we opened up, a, we opened up in, in Stillwater back in, I believe, 2006. Uh, so we played there one year. So I, I went there, but uh, – I've never been to a game in Norman. Love to go. Yeah, well, love to go. Get on a schedule sometime. That'd be a cool deal. As I mentioned, folks, Tony's got a lot of projects ongoing. You can follow him on Twitter at Tony uh, Shivani 
24, number 24, the numeral right. 24. And I would suggest you do that. Uh, do you, any favorite memory of Heenan or any memory you wish you didn't have in your head of Heenan? Well, uh, you know, Bobby and I did have some disagreements. And and I, I've mentioned on your podcast uh, in, in years past that uh, when he was fired, uh, wrongly so by WCW, that I made a mistake by not calling him and telling him I was sorry. I just I was told not to call him, and I didn't call him, and I should have, and I feel bad about that. But there's a couple of things that uh, that you <laughs> that that I have seen recently on on YouTube. Uh, you know, they had Nick Bockwinkel as the commissioner of WCW at one time, <laughs> and you know Bobby was Nick Bockwinkel's manager for a long, long time. Yeah. And Bobby always said, he said, you know, the guy could work, and the guy came across as a talker, as a very intelligent guy, but he used to say, he's nothing but a freaking meathead. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> he told me, he said, uh, that Nick, you know, Nick played football to OU for a while. Right. Do you know that? Nick Bockwick played I, for, played, I knew he played college football. I didn't know he played at OU. He played for Bud Wilkinson at OU and, got, and got cut. Okay. He got cut from the college team. Hello. Wow. Hello, amateurism. <laughs> the old men are calling. Here's a here's a hundred dollar handshake. See you later, kid. Uh but he uh, uh he, and but Bobby always said that Nick was uh, uh Jim Barnett on steroids. <laughs> Robert. Sir Robert. Robert. So I'm doing we had Nick Bockwinkle come out and talk about signing this match because what had just happened in the ring. And Heenan and I are standing there, and Bockwinkle starts to talk, and he starts to stumble. And Heenan, you can see on camera, steps behind Bockwinkle, so the camera cannot see Heenan. You can only see me and Bockwinkle. And Bobby is standing there making faces at me <laughs> as I'm looking at Bockwinkle about how stupid Bockwinkle is. And... <laughs> Bockwinkle said, so at the pay-per-view that we got coming up, what's the name of that pay-per-view? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he is just dying behind him. So that that's one of the things I used to do. And, you know, he used to he used to screw around with Angelo Mosca all the time, too. <laughs> I mean, he, he used to. Heenan uh, said he used to take up a rolled up pieces of uh, toilet paper and stuff it in his shoes. And Angela would put them on, and they'd be walking down through the airport. And Angela would say, "Oh my God, my dogs are barking today," <laughs> <laughs> and he'd just die and laugh. Oh yeah. So you know he, he, to- he was a hell of a prankster. He didn't do ribs that were like British Bulldog or Dynamite Kid, you know, heavy duty yeah. ribs. He did funny ribs, right? More often, right? Than not. Right, right. But he'd go. Sometimes he would ride with with uh, Monsoon to TV to the to the challenge and superstar tapings. And in some of those old buildings, older buildings, before they had the automatic flushers, whatever you left in a stool would remain there until it was flushed manually. Right, right. So I don't know how he did this from a uh, nutritional standpoint, but he would like save up to do number two, and he always mm-hmm. met a beeline to Vince's office. <laughs> He'd go into Vince's private office in this arena. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You've been in it before. I've been in it. All the mm-hmm. all, the, all yeah. the all the protein bars over there, and the and the shakes mm-hmm. and all this stuff. It looks like a you know, it looks like a, a store. You know, health, right. health food store. Right. And I didn't identify with any of those things, but nonetheless, he knows go straight to make a beeline straight for the can, sit down, do his business, 
be careful that he didn't trip any triggers or nothing. So everything that was left there would be remaining there because normally, well, Vince comes right in, boom, right in, run right to his bathroom. You know, they're doing yeah. driving or whatever. Huh? And so that was greeting him, Heenan. <laughs> and it was then it was almost like a deal where, I don't know, maybe we get some, maybe we should take the DNA and do a test. Maybe we, just, we could get the culprit who did this, the DNA evidence. But uh, seriously, it was he did that all the time. Oh yeah, I saw him with Paul Orndorff. We were um, we were in we were back in the locker room, and this was later in Paul Orndorff's career when Heenan was a you know one of our announcers. And Orndorff, Orndorff was getting ready to come out and wrestle, and he was asking Bobby about his boots and how they looked. And Bobby said, "Well, hang on a second, let me." And he had his boots laced up. Bobby said, "Unlace that one down." He said, "You need to unlace it down here to the right." And and Orndorff was unlacing. He said, "What are you talking about?" He said, "Now." You know, move the the part of this over. He said, "Okay, lace it back up." And Warnworth lays it back up, and he said, "Bobby, how does that look now?" And he then said, "How long have you been working with me, you dumbass?" <laughs> and Warnworth said, "Get out of here." <laughs> so I mean, Heenan was just like for a few minutes just screwing with him, you know. Yeah. And Warnworth was going for it, man. It was a matter of so, fact to him. It was just such a natural comedic timing. That's why. Yeah. In today's world, I don't know. They, I know a lot of the guys do their promos on TV. They're they're scripted and, and they're you know working off a prompter or whatever, memorizing right. memorization. Can you imagine him even trying to memorize his lines? Oh no! And would you and would you as a creative person even think of giving him anything but bullet points and say sick him? No, no, and that's that was the old school part about him, you know. I mean, you and I both. You and I both know the best wrestling matches were the ones that were were scripted. I mean, that had a scripted. You know, that we knew where we wanted to go, sure. but they didn't. They they didn't uh, choreograph every move. And those were the best guys who did uh, who did promos and who also were good at what they did as far as color was concerned. Yep. weren't fed lines all the time. I think uh, guys, the passing of Bobby Heenan is a lot like uh, other famous communicators, you know, the Jack Bucks, the Harry Carries, mm-hmm. sure. uh, Jack Brickhouse, you know, the same thing's going to be said. There'll be a, there'll be days of mourning when the legendary Ben Scully passes. Right. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, and, and, and perhaps, and perhaps rightfully so. I mean, he's done it longer, better than anybody in the world. Yes, he has. Bobby is kind of that, that changing of the guard thing and guys in that era. And I'm, well, I'm on the cusp of that same thing. Probably am at my, at my stage of life. Those old school voices, those old school presentation, they seem to be kind of disappearing from the landscape. Which does it tell you that it's not in fashion anymore and that we can't be good? Or does it tell you that maybe it's just all about the aesthetics and, you know, uh, youth and, and look are more important than experience and talent? Yeah, that's a good point. I... But I think the guys, you know, Jim, there are guys out there that still appreciate what you what you had done and what Bobby had done when you guys were regulars on on TV on when you were regular on Raw and Bobby was a regular on you know with me on Nitro. There's still guys who appreciate that, and you can watch TV today and know who those guys are. You, you can, by the way they do their promos uh, and and the way they do their announcing. Uh, you, you can still appreciate those guys. I, I just don't know. I don't think uh, guys like yourself, guys like Heenan, guys like Gordon Soley. I don't think you. I don't think those 
those things that made the business great back then will ever go away. No, neither. Uh, uh, I, boy, I know it's changed, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, I watch it all today. And well, look, sometimes look at, I scratch, look at your own scratch team. my head. Yeah, of course. Excuse me. But look at your own team. I was just, Larry Munson's name just jumped in my head. Well, yeah. they broke the mold when they made that dude. Oh, I know. You know, and, and he's one of those great voices. Oh, you had one for 50 years named Bob Barry. Right. Big Bob Barry. Yeah. And he was, he was a, he was the voice of the Sooners, left the Sooners because of the rights thing, went to become the voice of the OSU Cowboys, the, the enemy up the road. And then when the job opened up again at OU, they hired him back and welcomed him back with open arms. He used to be loved by the whole state. Sure. So it's a help. Sure. Well, when we went to Notre Dame two weeks ago, uh, first time the dogs have ever gone Notre Dame, and you know that's it's a big deal to go there. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not the program it used to be. It's still it's, a big deal to go there. It's the campus, man. It's, it's touchdown yeah. Jesus. It's all that. I love yeah. that. I love that my day there and the tailgating. Yeah. Oh, those wonderful. Catholics know how to drink too, man. Yes, yes, they do, and they'll drink right before they go to mass too. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so anyway, we were as we're preparing to go that entire week we're looking at all these tweets on the georgia dogs thread and the georgia football thread and many of them thousands of them were in uh, were saying the same thing they all wish that munson could have lived to go to notre dame and see that wow. so yeah. so you know it's still very very much tied into the fabric of georgia football munson is just like you're always going to be and gordon's always going to be and bobby's always going to be and who may, maybe I'll be to a certain extent on the smaller level, oh, but bullshit. Well, without a doubt, you're yeah. there. You're there, buddy. I'm glad that we both got to work with Bobby. I'm glad that we both consider Bobby a friend. Uh, I'm a better broadcaster for having worked with him. I know that. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you would concur with some of those thoughts because I just don't. I just never been around anybody, Tony, that did everything that could wrestle, main event level wrestler, the best manager arguably ever, ever. Right. Right, as good a color commentator as there has ever been, right? Ever, and yeah. So you got to he's he's got all those tools, and the and the most amazing timing. And I want to add to that a professional too. Never missed a booking. He always and I I saw him when he was feeling bad, and maybe he was not a hundred percent had the flu or had a bad cold or something, but he always did his work. Yeah. Never complained. And that's old school, too, Jim. Mm -hmm. So that's that's another thing about him, too. Well, you're old school, buddy. I appreciate you hopping on with me and uh, taking some time out of your day. Hey, you're, you're not making coffee no more, are you? Yes, I'm making coffee three times a month. <laughs> you know, let, me, let me tell you a quick story on that. I, I, I cannot get out of it. And the reason I can't get out of it is that is there... I just love those girls too much. Oh. I mean, I, I'm working with about four or five girls from age 25 to 23, and they all just absolutely love me, and they make me feel so good, and I have so much fun, and Jeez. it's only like, it's, I only work like a four-hour shift in the morning, like maybe like I think I need 7 to 11. I think I need so. a shower or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, so. 20, yeah, you're, you're, hey, you're so goddamn confused, and their age is 25 to 23. Or 23 to 25, I'm not sure. But one of the two I'm positive of. It's in that block. Somewhere. In that era, yeah. And they're yeah. they're almost to the level where they get their driver's license reduced. Or their, their insurance, car insurance. 25. Yeah. They're, they're almost 10 years older than my grandkids. <laughs> hey, what uh, are you, when do you uh, are you at a Starbucks? Yes, uh-huh. 
Starbucks wow. a half mile from the house. Wow. Yep. What's your favorite Starbucks drink? Come on. My favorite Starbucks drink is a cascara latte. That is a latte made uh, with... Uh-huh. Uh, that is a uh when they pick the uh when they pick the coffee beans the outside of the coffee beans is (laughs) (laughs) coffee bean okay go ahead the outside of the coffee bean known as the cherry Mm. if you mash it down it becomes a syrup called a cascara and that cascara syrup gives it a very rich flavor and so you put that cascara syrup in with espresso and steamed milk, and you got quite a tasty beverage. And and do you spill some of it on your beard and eat it later? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that un- last time I saw you, you had an unruly beard. Hey, uh, where you know, where you guys got uh, Mississippi State this weekend in Athens? Yep, Mississippi State this weekend in Athens. Next weekend we go to Knoxville to take on UT. Ooh. So. Yeah. Butch Jones will screw that up. <laughs> we hope so. Oh, he will. Don't worry. It's, yeah. it's almost locked. I, I would be surprised to see Glenn Jacobs over there, uh, uh, Kane. He's running for mayor of Knox County. And, he, and he's probably going to win, by the way. Uh, he, he, they may have him doing the head football coach at Tennessee. They get rid of Butch in midseason. Let's uh, bring the new mayor in. Come on, mayor. Come on in here. Get in here. The big well, guy. The big guys are mayor. Well, you know, they ran Philip Fulmer out of town years ago. Yeah. They haven't been the same since. They got what they wanted. Yeah, man. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Golly. Hey, when these yeah. schools are starting to fire guys for winning because they only win nine a year, you yeah. Got, you know, that's that's so stupid. Yeah. That's really stupid. Yeah, you're right. That's really Absolutely. stupid. Absolutely. Well, listen, uh, good luck this weekend. Thanks for hopping on with me. Thanks for having me on. I choose to remember Bobby in the Bobby that was when he was the funniest, when he, was, when he could communicate, and thinking about a guy that had the greatest verbal skills of anybody that I've ever been around lose his ability to do that through that through cancer was just so heartbreaking. But then to yeah. see him and Cindy arm in arm out there making these appearances and, and being around the fans and taking autographs, the photo ops, all that stuff, it, it to me was so – I don't know if I'd have the courage to do it. I really, right. I really don't. Yeah, I would have – if that would have happened to me, I would have hit in my house the rest of my life. I really would have. Yeah. I, I agree with that. It took a lot of courage. A lot of courage. And it took it took a good woman beside him, too. Ooh, boy, yeah, she's the yeah. best. Tony, thank you, buddy. All right, Jimmy. Love you, buddy. Take care. A lot more to come here on the program, a very emotional program, but one with great memories regarding Bobby the Brain Heenan, as we thank one of our sponsors who helps make this podcast possible every single week, my good friends at True Car. There's a lot of special things about True Car, and here's something that a lot of folks don't know, that True Car can also help you find a used vehicle. In fact, there are over 700,000 pre-owned vehicles available from True Car certified dealers nationwide. Whether you're looking to buy new or used, True Car gets you upfront pricing information that empowers, letting you see what other people paid for the car you want so you can know what a fair price is and feel confident about the process. With True Car, you can connect with a local certified dealer of your choosing to make the process Quick and easy. When you're ready to buy a new or a used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. I hate to break the news, but uh, some teachers are just not available in all states. Uh uh-uh. uh.
My name is Raven, professional wrestling superstar, raconteur extraordinaire, and other adjectives. Or is it adverbs? Anyway, join me in a motley assortment of friends, enemies, ne'er-do-wells, and know-nothings as we banter about all kinds of nonsense every Monday here at the Jericho Network on Podcast One. Download and listen to the show on PodcastOne.com, the Podcast One app, and Apple Podcasts. Quote to Raven, nevermore. As we continue our discussion tonight with many of my friends regarding the passing of the great Bobby the Brain Heaton, I just want to remind you folks that uh, I will appreciate very much you subscribing to our podcast, The Ross Report, on Apple Podcasts. It's free, by the way, and you never miss an episode because it will be automatically downloaded into the device that you choose every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Pacific Time. Appreciate that. It's free again. It takes about a couple of minutes to, to process your, your deal. I'd love for you to leave us a five-star rating and a review at Apple Podcasts. We do appreciate your help very much. This is the Ross Report. Always good to catch up with Tony Schiavone, one of my oldest, dearest friends, great broadcaster, certainly as we shared moments regarding Bobby the Brain Heenan. Now, my next guest on this uh, packed program, one of the most talented young men I've been around a long time, my old buddy Hurricane Gregory Shane Helms. How many damn names you got, boy? <laughs> I got quite a few, actually. Don't forget Kid Vicious. That's that, Kid Vicious might not be one you knew about Kid from my Vicious. indie days. Yeah, man. Yeah, because I'm built like Sid. We had a very mm-hmm. similar physique. You did, you did, and uh, <laughs> and I was big in the in the Kid Vicious. Big. I may have one of those shirts left somewhere. <laughs> Kitty. Anyway, how you been? I, I'm doing wonderful. I just. Uh, had a had a good match this weekend in Pennsylvania, uh, so I'm uh, home. Uh, caught up on the MMA and a boxing mm-hmm. big boxing fight. Uh, you know, I'm still I'm in all that stuff too. So uh, just had a had a relaxing day though. Monday's my day off. Everybody else hates Monday. I love Mondays. That's my day off. You are a big combat sports aficionado. Probably one of the of all the boys the wrestlers, the boys. You probably were as well read and as uh, fervent a fan as. Anybody in the locker room, as I remember, is that is that accurate? Yeah, that's pretty that's pretty accurate. You know, I mean, I'm sure there's you know a, a couple other guys can give me a run for the money at times, but um, yeah, I've always been into into combat sports. You know, I was an amateur wrestler for seven years, but that all really came from my love for pro wrestling. As you know, me and you talked about yep. uh, a bunch, but yeah, I, lo- I love I love I love combat. You know, I mean, I, I love the uh, sport combat. You know, I don't like war, but I like warriors. You know, right. I got you. No, I'm with you on that deal. So you're still you're back wrestling more. Uh, I see, right? You're doing. You, you mentioned you were in the Northeast. Were you up there for Michael O'Brien or somebody? Uh, no, not this not this time. Uh, this show was a little company called Legacy Wrestling uh, okay. out of uh, Pennsylvania. A good. Oh yeah, good, yeah, good company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. yeah. Well, good. Well, hey, look, if they treated you professionally and you got paid, and they let you go out and do your thing, then it's probably a win win for everybody. You know. Yeah, you know, and I have a good time, you know, working with uh, some newer guys. Uh, you know, sometimes the uh, the younger guys on the indie shows they expect us TV guys to come in and not do things, and I think that's because there are some uh, the older guys that go in and don't, you know, uh, not necessarily call it in, but they kind of call it in. But mm-hmm. I, I, I don't do that. I go out there and I still, uh, you know, I still take my take my lumps, take my bumps. I'm smarter, of course, right. as you know that that comes with age, what it's supposed to. <laughs> But uh, I still go out there and rock and roll as much as I can. Well, we all know, and we've heard it referred to as the bunk card. You know, everybody's got a bunk card. If you're in the business of wrestling, 
your body, your DNA, all the things, whatever you want to combine, you got a bump card. And, and I don't know that anybody knows exactly when the expiration date is or what number of bumps you got in you, but we all know this much like life, they end. So you you got to be smart in doing, you know, big things good and not, and don't do them all the time because then they're not big things. Yeah, that bump card, the end, the end generally sneaks up on you. Yeah. Nobody's uh, ever ready for it. I tell you, I made a mistake, uh, uh, something I didn't have the uh, foresight, I guess, to uh, pay attention to, but a lot of my offense involves me bumping too. Mm-hmm. I got it. So, uh, you know, so uh, I've run it through. I mean, but luckily, you know I mean? I had my first match in 91, and I was actually bumping before that. So I've had a lot of years, and... Somehow I've still kind of held together relatively well. So see how long it goes. I think part of that, you've always been a well-conditioned athlete. I think that's obvious. But also the fact that you're not 250 pounds may be better for you in this context. Yeah. You know, when I actually got, like when I was my uh, heaviest in terms of muscle size, that was actually causing me a lot of lower back pain. Like it was just, I got, I actually put on too much muscle for my frame. And so, uh, yeah, I think... um you know, it's weird because sometimes the heavier weight can help you on the bump because you kind of compress the ring down a little bit. Mm. But, you know, you're, um, but bouncing off that floor isn't never good for anybody. No, <laughs> the, no. the human body is not meant for that. No, it isn't. It isn't. Over the weekend, I got a lot of things I want to pick your brain about. But one of the things, certainly uh, we'd be remiss right here at the beginning of our conversation on the show. And by the way, I appreciate you taking time to join us here and the podcast, folks, for all you guys out there listening, you've been doing a great with uh, subscribing for free at uh, Apple Podcasts. It's a big deal. It's free, so it's, you're not going to lose any money, and you get your show automatically downloaded into the device that you choose every Tuesday night at 9 o'clock Eastern time. And then while you're there doing this, it takes about a minute. If you'd leave us a five-star rating and a comment, it always helps our marketing department. Subscribe for free and take it from there. We appreciate it. Bobby Heenan passed away on Sunday. And I had the luxury of when I came to WWE in 93, the guy I worked with the most first was Bobby Heenan. How good could it be? How much better could it have been? It couldn't have been any better. It was the, it was the end all be all because I was an apprehensive son of a gun, kind of insecure country boy, even though I had 19 years in the business, I wasn't welcome there with open arms. But Bobby and Gorilla were my allies. They were like my uncles. And they just took damn good care of me. And I have never forgotten that. And I try to share that, Shane, with other guys. I try to, if I can help another announcer, a young guy or whatever, if, they, if they're interested in hearing, I'll be happy to help. But, you, you know, it's, a, it's something we all got to give back, I think. Yeah, well, there's a confidence, too, that comes with being good, you know, uh, and, and actually being great. And, uh, you know, I've always considered you, you know, one of the greats, and uh, you, you always, you know, uh, we've said this before. I know who you who you consider to be the greats, but I consider you the, the best guy on that microphone uh, to ever call my matches by far. Oh, thanks. Um, but when you have that kind of confidence, and you are that good, I was what I'm trying to say. When you're that good, you have this confidence, so you don't really have to be insecure and worry about other people trying to take your spot and all of that. So, you know, Bobby and all the stories I've ever heard about him, and and we only met in passing. We never really got to work together. Me and Bobby didn't at all. Um, but he just, I mean, I haven't heard any bad thing about him and I've never heard anybody even really say any bad thing no. about him. And yeah. even in his, in his, uh, you know, final years, he still had that spirit, you know, that 
playful spirit. You know, me, he was at a, we did a signing together in a, a Charlotte at the NWA Legends uh, thing. And, uh, he was sitting there and I brought my woman over there and you've, you've seen my Karen, you know, she's very beautiful. And, yep. and Bobby had his cane and like, he kind of used the cane and played with her, her skirt, her skirt a little bit. Not, not like actually doing anything, yeah, but yeah. playing the role of the, of the creepy old man. Sure. And it was just very funny. She laughed and he was laughed and we, and uh, so it was a good moment, you know, and, uh, for him to be able to make somebody else laugh by an ad lib extemporaneous process that he was the master of made him so happy that day. I can tell you, I can promise you. He loved making others laugh. He was a consummate comedic timing. And you know, the thing about it, Shane, this guy, people can look on, I'm sure this WWE network's got it in some form. YouTube has it. I'm sure he's a very underrated heel as a worker, very mm-hmm. underrated. Uh, and to say he didn't have main event skills as a heel based on what I've seen main event level heel skill sets in other territories over the years, I would disagree with that analogy. I would say he was a main event level heel wrestler. And, yeah. and nobody was a better manager. So. No, he was definitely. And when you're a manager, you know, you're part, you're part of that act, you know, when uh, whoever's out there. And, and you can either add to it or take away from it. You can make it better or make it worse. And Bobby made everybody better. You know, I, I had a little managerial run in, in TNA. And so I was faced with this uh, situation where I was more well-known than the guys I was managing. And I immediately thought of Bobby. Like when I was trying to think, how do I make this work? Because I don't want to go out there and make it all about me. So how do how do I you know complement this talent that I'm out there at ringside with? You know what I'm saying? Yep. And so um, I used a lot of Bobby and what I was trying to do there, uh, in in a from a managerial standpoint. Because I mean, if you look at even a guy like even when he brought in Arn and Tully, like of course Arn and Tully could have got over his heels uh, in WWF at the time without Bobby. But just being with Bobby, automatic heels and automatic heat. He was the yeah. uh, great communicator. He got everybody over. He got King yeah. Kong Bundy over. He got Andre the Giant over, Rick Rude over, Kurt Hanning over, yeah. Arn and Tully. I mean, just, and I look and say, it's easy to say, yeah, but JR, those guys are really good. Yeah, they were. And he made them better. That's the gift. They were good when he got them. He made them better. And there was something about being attached to Bobby. That you knew, okay, as a fan, it wasn't said aloud, but you knew if you had Bobby in your corner that there was something, something good was going to happen at some point in time with this talent, you know, something big. It was a big deal to have. You know, I, you'd almost rather have Bobby Heenan than have a championship. Yeah. You're going to get more attention. You're going to, you're going to be in the store. You're going to be, you know, you're going to be, you're going to have that spotlight on you if you got Bobby in your corner. I believe that he would be. On my Mount Rushmore managers, he would be the first first position. Oh, know, I think so too. You know, and I've I've been really lucky. I got to broadcast with three of the greatest managers in the history of the business, and Bobby Heenan, Paul Heyman, and Jim Cornette. And then I had another partner with Jerry Lawler. wasn't half bad either. Well, not wasn't bad at all. wasn't no, bad at no. all. So yeah. I I'm going to stooge myself off. I think because people are going to say, you know, Jr. really wasn't that good. He just had a lot of really good partners. <laughs> and guess what? You're right, folks. Uh, Terry Funk was a partner of mine too. He could talk a little bit. That son of a bitch. <laughs> Love him, man. He's coming out of retirement this week, I heard. Yeah, in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'll be there. Are you going to be there? Yeah. You rascal. That's Dorton Arena. That's, the, uh, that's the, one of the arenas I went to as a little kid. Does the Dorton Arena still got those glass walls and no air conditioning? 
yeah, I think there's air conditioning in the locker rooms now. They've uh, ventilated it, you know, a little bit better these days. We had a TV taping in Raleigh in the early of uh, the Crockett-Turner engagement. And we're out in the arena, and it was hot, hot, hot. It been summertime. Uh, and so the only room that was air-conditioned was the room that Dusty was using. And, of course, every, every baby face in the territory tried to pile in there because it was air-conditioned. Yeah. So I take Barnett. Mr. Barnett's with me, and he's not with me, but he's standing around. I said, he's hot and sweaty and, oh, my God, you know, just like, like just going crazy, like the Burgess Meredith, you know, that on the Joker or whatever he was. The, what, what, what was Burgess Meredith in Batman? What was he? Penguin. He was a penguin. Penguin, yeah. His penguin thing going on. So I take him down. I said, let's go to Dusty's room. He's, you can sit down there. It's air conditioned. I'm just sweating so much. So, uh, <laughs> anyhow, I, I take him in there. We get in there. We walk down these steps. Here's what's laying on the floor. Dusty's laying there naked, except he's wearing his Austin Hall cowboy boots, his wrestling boots. He ain't got no shirt on. He ain't got no underwear on. He never wore underwear anyway. You heard that first. And so uh, he's laying there. In the floor, because it's on the concrete floor. The floor is very cool, very cold. And he's uh-huh. doing his Marlon Brando impersonation of, of from Apocalypse Now. Are you an assassin or an errand boy? He must have said that like 20 times. Are you an assassin or an errand boy? And now, is, he face, is he face down? Is he... He's face up. He's face oh, up. No. Yeah, old, old Big Dust is all down there, all bunched up. And so Barnett uh, now is surveying the landscape. And everybody's looking at Barnett to see what he's going to be looking at. Because, you know, Mr. Barnett was lived an alternative lifestyle. He was a gay man. But Barnett right. said, if all men look like that, I might change teams. <laughs> Come on now. He ain't really on big dust, did he? Oh, uh, so it's, we, we didn't stay long. Uh, he, he left. He was uncomfortable in there, I think. But it, this, that Dorton Arena is a, is a place, man. That was a, we had some fun there. We had some fun there. That's your that's your arena, right? Yeah, that the uh, the first time I got to you know uh, a big time wrestling uh, is the company running there, and the first time they ran there, uh, we actually partnered with them with Omega to put on you know uh, have a couple of the matches there, and so for me to be able to to perform in that same uh, building, um, you know that was a cool moment. The very first building I ever went to wrestling it was actually uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it went through several name changes. It's called the uh, Bojangles uh, uh, Coliseum now, but it used to be just the Charlotte Coliseum. Yeah. And uh, I know you've been in that one several mm-hmm. times, and yeah. that was the first uh, arena I went to when I was a kid, uh, 1979, I believe, was when I, we first went there. So I, when I got to wrestle with there with WWE, that was very cool, too. Yeah. You know, yeah. little come full circle type moment. Oh, yeah, man. And you, st- you stayed with your journey. You, yeah. you, you saw something through, and that's where it took you. It's, it's a cool deal. Well, um, we're going to miss Bobby. Guys like him, you know, it's not a territorial thing. I don't believe. Why aren't there more Bobby Heenans? God, I wish I knew. But I don't believe it's a territorial thing. I don't think it's a epidemic in wrestling. I just think that someone with that skill set, with that kind of that level of talent, they just don't come along very often, if ever again. I don't know, but there's nothing guaranteeing me that there's going to be another Bobby Heenan sometime, Shane. Not only that, like I've, I've always, I've, for years, you know, I mean, I. I used comedy in the hurricane uh, you know, gimmick, obviously. Yeah. And comedy is not nowhere near as easy as people think it is. Not good comedy. Right. Now, bad comedy is pretty easy because I see that all the time too. But, yep. but good comedy is actually is really hard. And like Bobby, not only would he have the right thing to say, that's one thing, you know, that he had the right thing to say. He had the right delivery, 
and 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 also the way he said it. So he had the timing, he had the delivery, and he had the material. Yeah, that's yeah. hard to have for one person to have all of that. Yeah, he created his own material too. You know, he's the kind of guy that you say, okay, Bobby, I need a three minute promo talking about Bundy wrestling Hogan in the garden on Thanksgiving night. That's all you need to tell him. The who, what, when, and where, and, and go get it. Sick him, uh, and he he would hit a home run. And he did it in an extemporaneous ad lib way, which is an amazing art form. And anybody that's a performer that listens to the show, some of my TV friends and some movie friends that listen, know exactly what I'm talking about. He was just creating content. Every second he was awake, he's creating content. He was a machine. And he towed that line because when, especially when you're a heel, you have to be careful about making the audience laugh. Because if you make them laugh, they're going to like you. Yeah. So he did really well about doing funny stuff, but somehow you still ended up not liking him, which is what was supposed to happen. Or you like the baby face better, which is what's supposed to happen. Right. And that's a talent like you really don't get unless you're in the business to see what he's doing. Yeah, you're right. And you see that a lot during today's promos. You see a lot of heels go out there and they're trying to be funny. And then the crowd ends up liking them more than the baby face where they just buried their baby face. Bobby never did. Even though he can make you laugh sometimes, he still will find a way to be the heel. Mm -hmm. Well, he cherished and embraced being a villain. That was a role that he felt natural in and that he felt proud of refining. Because psychologically, from a psychological perspective of taking bumps, you know, he took bumps. He could take comedic bumps. He could take dramatic bumps. Mm -hmm. And he was so good at all that that, uh, to me, it's still amazing to even think about it in those context, but he was that good. Anyway, he's going to be missed. We love Bobby. I had such great times with him. I had him in my home, been in his home. Just, you know, I've had a rough year, just another uh, big loss for me, and I just missed the hell out of him. Let's move on to some other things here. I got a lot of good questions for you. You're not, you're no longer with Impact. I didn't read all about it. I didn't care to hear all the dirt. I don't know what the deal was. Yay, nary, indifferent. But I'd like you to tell your side of the story as to why you're not there anymore because I have speculated on it. It was over money. It's usually over cash or creative uh, or who you know. But uh, what, was, what was your case? You know, uh, Jeff Jarrett came in and he wanted his buddies there and that just created a situation where there were too many agents. But it was a situation that he created because he brought in buddies and not actual agents. So myself, Al Snow, and Pat Kenny. Pat Kenny was Simon Diamond from ECW fame. Uh, our contracts were all up in June anyway, so you know it wasn't like a, a fire type scenario. Where the contracts just weren't renewed. You know it was what it was. I, I didn't appreciate the way it happened. I was, I caused some kind of residual heat because of the Hardy thing uh, with uh, Anthem and their lawsuit and. I was getting like, you know, really weird text messages at late at night, uh, you know, and, and putting in a, in a weird spot. And, uh, and I know, and because Matt and Jeff are my great friends, you know, I, I get that, but that doesn't mean that our business contracts are related or anything that we do in business is related. That's not what that means at all. And so I, I really didn't appreciate that residual heat. You know, I could see asking me a question, but, you know, they asked me, you know, did I know anything about them not resigning? I'm like, no, I didn't, you know. I don't talk business with my friends, and mm -hmm. I've always been like that. You know, I don't need to know what my friends make. And anybody I've ever that was my friend in this business will tell you, when we were riding buddies or not, I didn't want to know what you made. You don't need to know what I made. Exactly. You know, we, we keep that to ourselves. That's old and school, I'm, man. Yeah, and I've always been like that. So I didn't know what the deal was about. 
I just knew somebody was unhappy, you know, but I didn't really get into the nitty gritty of, of any contract discussions or anything. So when it all broke down, all of a sudden, you know, I'm the outsider looking in and uh, it was really undeserved. But with that part aside, the ending aside, I loved all my time there. You know, I had a great time. And I mean, I, I promise you 97% of that roster reached out to me when I was gone. And, and a lot of people were upset, including previous owners of the company reaching out to me. And there's a lot of talent that still does to this day, like, hey, can you watch this? And uh, you know, stuff like that. So, I mean, I made a lot of friends there and people knew how how good I was at my job. So I don't really uh, have any like negative feelings. It's definitely not toward the company. I'm pulling for that company it's strong. You know, we need as many good wrestling companies out there as, as we can. Absolutely. And, uh, they just announced, they just announced today that they're going to do a pay-per-view in Canada. So you know, they're the little engine that could, that TNA impact company. So, uh, you know, I wish them all the best. Yeah. The, I saw that, uh, they're going to do some, uh, pay-per-view in several days of TV in Ottawa or Ontario. I think it is a, yeah, they're going to be doing some television, a pay-per-view and some TVs. I hope they do well. You know, I'm with you, man. The more places that our friends, our peers, our buddies uh, can work and earn a living in, in the business that we both love, more power to them. You know, I'm not, yeah. I'm not a, I don't, I'm not, a, I'm not for that naysaying they're going to take overtake. Somebody sent me a deal the other day said, uh, you think in five years that New Japan will be on a par in North America with WWE? And I said, look. They're a great company. They have good, they have some outstanding in-ring talent. And they have a lot of old school fundamental properties that they still embrace. But there ain't no way in hell in five <laughs> years or 55 years that New Japan yeah. or anybody else on earth is going to overtake WWE. And yeah. I'm not saying that because I signed a, a, a contract with them, you know, back in WrestleMania. Shane, this is business. Common sense. Yeah, I think Vince let his guard down one time, and that's when uh, Nitro kind of popped up, and that ain't never going to happen again. Yep, never. And, and they're just years above everybody else, and not even just in wrestling. Their production value. And this is what I was dealing with when I was with Impact, you know, when I'd be watching the show back. And I'm, I'm, I'm a very guy, I'm a, you know, I consider my job as an agent, as an editor. I'm not out there to tell these guys what to do. I'm out there to help you. That's it. You know, you go out there and do your own matches and, and, but even Stephen King needs an editor. I'm there to add a little comma. I'm there to add a little period, a little exclamation point. Mm -hmm. And a part of that is watching the show back and seeing what we did wrong and really discuss it. And just looking at the production value. And then you go watch Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. And you're like, Jesus. And even NXT, everything WWE does is, is top-notch production. And, uh, and like I was saying, that's not even just compared to other wrestling companies. The NFL steals yeah. some of their ideas, yeah. as, as you well know. Other, other, the uh, UFC, MMA copies some of their production uh, tricks and tactics. Like they're just so uh, well ahead of everybody in terms of live production events. It's just amazing. Nobody does it better. No, no kidding. They just, they just don't. They do, they do so much of it in so many venues. They have great personnel, great TV techs, cameramen, crew, and those guys are all freelancers by and large. But they get so much work from WWE that. You know, they've had the same camera guys. They've had a lot of the same people that are freelancers in the same roles, and they just get better and better at what they do. It's a badass operation, no doubt about that. Do you think, speaking of WWE, it was one of the questions I got a lot of. Do you have any realistic expectations that someday you might find a role back in WWE on, in some capacity? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. But, uh, uh, if, if it's going to be anything in ring, though, uh, it would need to be within the next five years. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, it, it would just, uh, go circle back to that bump card. That bump card ain't gonna last for too long. Yeah. But um, I know, I know what I bring to the table, and I didn't leave on any bad terms, and I'm still in you know contact with uh, you know, quite a few people uh from w, from WWE. So I, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised. They're good. That's good to hear. I think you got a lot to offer, and and I believe that the focus would be on for me now, and of course I'm not there in that role. I would be more interested in you as an administrator, as a producer, a coach, uh, the editor, whatever you, you know, your, your, your term, than I would mapping out a long-term wrestling program. I believe your greatest gifts right now are sharing your skill level and your, uh, your skill set and your technique and your fundamentals and knowing the importance of it with these younger guys. Cause I just don't think they can get enough tutoring. I don't think they should be taught one way. I don't think they are. They should never be taught one way, but they should be. They should sample all the tutoring and coaching that they can get. In my view, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, and that used to be kind of how it was. You know, I mean, you used to have to go to all these different territories and areas, uh, but you did that for experience because it would burn out. You know, you would just kind of uh, not well. You're welcome, but you know, people get used to seeing you, so you, the attraction is you are in one area. So you go to another area and stuff like that, and yeah. you just were kind of forced to learn. Uh, in, in different ways. And I mean, that's how a lot of us, you know, came up. You know, I mean, I, I went overseas before I ever went to WCW. Um, and it's a lot easier now to do that. It's a lot of guys on the Indies, the Indies seems a little bit easier to, well, a little bit. It's a lot easier to transverse now than it was back in the day. I can't imagine what it was in years previous uh, to me. So, well, just the basic communication, yeah. just getting a hold of somebody. We didn't have these damn cell phones and texting and tweeting and direct messaging and all this other stuff. We didn't have that then, man. You know, so it was it is easier now at least to communicate. I used to have to send out that VCR tape with a you know an old cheesy eight by ten that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now you can email them something, JPEG yeah. promo or whatever you want to do. Uh, did you get a chance to watch any of the uh, May Young tournament? Yeah, yeah. The girls have really t- really stepped up a lot. You know, the uh, female competitors in pro wrestling have really stepped up their game, which is which is really needed. You know, there was a period in the business, you know, uh, was it an attitude era or not? But it kind of always existed where, you know, the uh, we were, they were just going for the looks, you know, uh, more more sizzle and not quite the stake. But now a lot of these girls have both because not only are they are they great to look at, awesome athletes and. Believe it or not, that's the same thing applies for the guys. I know there are a lot of girls out there that have that really attitude. Well, you know, we only care about our bodies. And I've always been like, yeah, all the guys are out there in their underwear too. I don't know if you've noticed that. <laughs> you know, for the most point, for the most part, the guys wear even less. So in, in this business and the business that's visual, any entertainment industry that's visual, you know, if you have the look and the talent, your odds are going to go up for success. So these girls going out there working, I mean, getting so much better in ring. Um, and you see that too, like even in a, in a MMA, like how good, the, how good those ladies have taken off in some, in their fights, man. Yeah. If there's a woman's fight on the card, nine times out of 10, it's going to be the show stiller. Yeah, it could be. And then, you know, and then you got the, after Gina Carano kind of got the motor running and then Ronda Rousey blew it apart. The thoughts of Rousey doing something in WWE seems to be more prominent than ever. I don't know, you know, I don't know when that's going to happen or whatever, how that's going to work out. But Shane, it looks to me like it's inevitable that somewhere down the road, Ronda Rousey is going to have a big, her moment in a WWE ring in front of a major audience. Yeah, that's going to, that's going to be very cool. You know, I like to see her, uh, you know, get back 
because, you know, going out on the loss, it is what it is. Nobody likes to go out, but that's the warrior way. You know, that's how that's an old school Japanese thing, too, a Japanese wrestling thing that I've always liked. You didn't go out on a win. Because if you can win, you don't need to be going out. Right. You know, if you if you if you can win, you still got something left in the tank. You know, that's an old school thought process. You go out, you you keep going till you ain't got no more. Wow. But I would like to see Ronda go. You know, have, have some have some cool moments. I think it's inevitable. She's it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Got to happen. I mean, it's just too. It's just there, man. It's just yeah, there. She's got the she's got the personality. Mm-hmm. She's a star power. She's got charisma. There's something about her. You know, and. And anytime somebody, there's something about whether it's a guy or a girl, when they got that little it factor, you know, yeah. not everybody has that. So I know this guy named the, the guy named Rock that had it. Was that your biggest break in WWE interacting with with Rock? You think uh, it was? Or a bit, a lot, uh, the reason here's why I'm asking this question: It was submitted to me through my friend Sean Creedle in Baltimore, who gets helps me with my Facebook and Instagram. Jim Ross, BBQ folks, you're interested. Cheap plug, right there it went. But a lot of people ask about that. One of their most vivid memories of your tenure in WWE was you, the interactions you had with The Rock. So mm-hmm. I'm throwing it out there to you. Was that was it as big as they thought it was, or was there other things bigger? Uh, it, it, was, it was definitely up there. It's in my one of my top moments for sure. Just to how well it stood the test of time. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I got people that can just quote those. I mean, I get it every single show I go to. Somebody's quoting those promos to me, like almost verbatim. You know, they remember it better than I than I do sometimes. And uh, the the best thing I liked about that though is just how it happened organically by accident because it was only going to ever be the first night. That's all it was ever going to be was one night in Toronto. We did a backstage skit, and then later on we locked horns in the Battle Royal. But that was going to be it. There was no plans to go forward. But it just worked so well, and it got over so good, and just the dynamic between. You know, rock being rock and me and him putting over my gimmick. And there was some, and I would go out there sometime with heels that wouldn't, you know, they would just try to laugh at the gimmick. And in this business, you never laugh at the gimmick. You might can laugh at the guy doing it or whatever, but don't attack the gimmick. And rock put it over. And it was just, it was a, you know, two guys that you know, he was always nice to me. I, you know, I don't, never had any problem with him whatsoever. And, you know, a couple of the jabs he gave me in those promos, the um, lines were actually lines I gave him. I said, here, say, you know, I said, why, why, why am I saying this? Oh, yeah, man, that's great. Thank you. You know, so he was very appreciative of that, too. Um, and it, and that was just it. And, but it worked so well, it snowballed into a couple weeks of worth of promos, then into a match where I go over, and he's going to main event WrestleMania with Steve Austin. And I know that, I don't know if that was the last match of that night, but Rock and Steve Austin was the main event. You know how that goes. Same thing with Rock and Hogan. They weren't the last match, but they were the main event. Oh, God. Um it blew the walls off everything. It it it, it, it overwhelmed all, all everybody. It far exceeded my expectations, and not the fact that it was going to be a hit. It, I didn't dream it would be that big a hit. At the end of the day, there was nothing we could book that could follow it. We we found out in hindsight. I snuck out in the crowd for that match. Wow! Because I'd won the uh, that night. I'd won the uh, hardcore title in the back, <laughs> and uh, then I uh, subsequently lost the hardcore title in the back. Oh, drat! <laughs> So I was there. Well, hey, I won a title at WrestleMania. So I, I'm, you know, that's on the resume. You know, we can leave out the part that I lost it. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's, don't, let, don't let facts get away with a better story. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I, you know, I got cleaned up real quick, and uh, you know, put my put my uh, hair in a hat, and uh, and snuck out, snuck out, and I was really close to the um, ramp side, 
and I went out and watched it there because I wanted to just be out there. It was pretty extraordinary. All I know is that Lawler and I just went with the flow. We listened to the crowd. We watched our monitor, and we tried to add a appropriate lyric to some amazing music. And Hogan and Hulk and Rock, uh, they killed it. They just they absolutely killed it. They played those fans. They had them in the palm of their hand from the very beginning. And, and fans just being into it and enjoying the moment. Yeah, you know, and, how cool is that? And I, and I, I love that. I, you know, uh, fans are entitled to do whatever they want to do once they buy that ticket. You know, I, I do believe that. And But I think the fans that, that just don't try to dissect it, they just enjoy yeah. themselves, I think that they get the most out of it. They have the best time. Uh, they're not worrying about it. And sometimes and that's, I, what that, that's what that uh, arena was that night, just people that were enjoying the moment. They were fans that weren't preconditioned. And sometimes, even a, a football fan like me, you get preconditioned. Well, my team's got, a, you know, the over-under is this, or the point spread is that, or their quarterback's out, my quarterback is in, whatever the deal. I, I just think it's so simple. Some of the things we do for a living are so simple and so much fun yeah. that we overthink shit. Yeah, you know, when I, I bet on the MMA a lot. so <laughs> I know you I do. Can, I was going to ask you about that. I can get into that zone where I'm being too analytical. Yeah. I'm not enjoying it. And I have to stop. You know, I have to say, well, I, need to take, I need to just watch this show. Shane, I bet on anything. Here's, just a, watch. here's the deal. Exactly. But you also got to, you can't overanalyze it and get too damn analytical because mm-hmm. then you, you discount your instincts. Yeah. And I don't want to discount. If I'm betting on football, I ain't, I'm not going to discount my instincts. Period. I don't bet on football much anymore. But when I did, and I had some success with it, I had more success when I looked at it analytically and then left it alone for a while than made my decision on my instinct. What I felt after absorbing all the information, here's what I feel. And so yeah. uh, and I, that's kind of the, what we're talking about here. You're on Twitter at ShaneHelms.com, C-O-M, on Twitter. And then you're on, you have your website, ShaneHelms.com. Yeah. yeah, see what see why I did that? I tied it all together. You're amazing. You're an amazing. <laughs> you're a brilliant young man. I can tell you that right now. The only other thing we haven't covered, well, a couple of things. One was all, but I want people to write this Shane Helms com on Twitter and shanehelms.com for your website. You got any events coming up around the corner? Anything uh, you're booked at, you're going to be doing? Yeah, I'm booked weekly, you know, and I post everything. Uh, Shane Helms Com is also my Instagram, Tumblr, Facebook, everything. I keep everything that same brand. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll be at the Dorton Arena this weekend. Uh, there's a good company um, in North Carolina called AML. I'm sure at some point you'll probably do some stuff with them. They bring in a lot of big names, and they do really good stuff. They actually do that uh, Russell Cage show. Yeah, that's, you know, well, they, they call me. But it's during football season. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You tied up during football yeah, season. Yeah, I'm, I'm booked, man. I just, uh, <laughs> that's where I am in my life. I want to be at those football games. I'm around a lot of my other friends, my non-wrestling friends and stuff, which is fine. I, more friends are better, so I guess I'm saying. It's just another set of friends that I don't normally see unless I'm doing a football function, and I enjoy being around them. So it all works as a win-win for me, man. So you're the new Sid Vicious, and this is your softball season. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. That's it. I don't think I have uh, his uh, presence. Psych, psycho Sid, he's a dandy, too. So you're, you're staying busy. They go to your website. They can find out about your bookings. Are you doing anything with three count? You know, uh, we actually are going to uh, do a signing together in New York, I think, in October. Good. We did one a couple years ago. It was the first time in, like, what, 12 years or something we've been together. Uh, the funny thing about that three count gym is we were three count for nine months. To wow. this day, wow, people still remember that. That's pretty cool. And, and almost nine out nine out of ten matches I'm in, 
there will be a three count chance start. I'll have to stop the match, do a little dance, you know, yeah. <laughs> to get back to the match. And but we were only three count for now. So as as silly as that gimmick was, evidently it made a little impression. It so did. Very appreciative. Yeah. When uh, Sean Creedle provided me with the questions for this show, that was a big deal. Three count was another thing that people said, you know, you have memories and, you know, of course you have memories, but I didn't realize it was only a nine month tenure. So you guys yeah, made a nice little months, impact yeah. in that nine months. You did all right, man. You did all right. Yeah. I mean, um, it was, it was a thing just like the hurricane. It wasn't my style of music. I never uh, grew up wanting to be in a boy band. You know, I can't really sing that well. <laughs> uh, I grew up on hip hop. So that's why I did all the, uh, you know, a couple of the songs had a little rapping uh, segment. So I, that, that was me. That's why I did that. But there's another thing like the hurricane, like I said, where I was like, okay, if I'm going to do it, you know, I'm going to do it as best I can, and I'm going to commit to it. And I think that's just what makes it stand out. What's it going to take to get the 205 guys over on WWE? Uh, just more personality. They got all the uh, all the ring talent in the world, but it's going to take personality and star power. And I think having, um, what, what's Chicken Head Dude's name? Enzo. So, uh, more, I think having him on there helps out, just more personalities. And it's got to be presented that it's important. You know, uh, that's something that they're doing. You know, they'll have a, a 205 match on Raw, but it'll be one of those ones where they throw everybody in one match, and it kind of just is what it is. It's mm-hmm. the same flavor of match every single time. Something has to stand out. I like Neville having this attitude now. Yeah, that he's had for the last year. Neville's done it makes good. a little bit more. It makes a little bit more sense now, though, since he lost the belt and got it back. Before, I didn't really get a good idea of why he's so angry. You know, it just wasn't really explained. Like, and that's not a that's not a gimmick. You know, that's not a character that you're angry. That's just one emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, it has to be more than that. Why are you so angry? You look like a million bucks. You're the champ. You know, there should be some moment where you're cocky. Some moment where you're happy about this. Why are you so pissed off? So he needed to be explored a little bit more. And I'm just, I think every now and then they need to trinkle in. You know, this is where a hurricane appearance could really pop him <laughs> off. And yeah. even, even if, even if it ain't me, you know, you got a Scotty too hotty, you know, you got a lot of guys out there that can still go in there, you know, do a little bit, uh, and bring outside attention to these guys. Cause you know, it's yeah. hard to do it by yourself. Oh yeah. You, know, you, need, yeah, yeah. you need somebody to help you get over that is over. They got a lot of talented kids that, that work bell to bell talent. No doubt. They just need to be positioned to where their personas are important. And that takes time, and you hope to get somebody gets hot, somebody can latch on or connect with the audience. But uh, I'm glad that they're maintaining and steering the course with the 205 guys. They're going to try to develop that. I think that's smart. They talked about doing a U.K. show. That's still, I think, on the WWE drawing board. I know they'd like to do it, and I hope they do because I'll be a part of it, I think. Uh, and then, you know, somebody asked me the other day about the, they brought in 32 women for this tournament, the May Young Classic, and they could have got tons more. They're out there, is my point. But yeah. there may be a room there for a, for a women's wrestling show every week. Hell, I don't know. Why not? That Glow show was phenomenal. I don't know if you watched it on Netflix. That, that, that show was, I liked it a lot better than I liked the original Glow. And it just, and there's a couple companies out there that have been doing all women's show for years. Yeah. You know, Shine, Shimmer. Uh, I think it was like WSU was a Northeastern version that have done all women's shows for years and done pretty well with them. I'd like to see them doing uh, something like that. That'd be, I'd be, I'd be interested in that. Yeah. It's an interesting, uh, interesting concept. I, I believe in opening up the gates, let everybody in, if they can perform male or female, have at it, man. 
uh, you know, everybody should have a chance to go make money in the thing they love to do. So I appreciate you jumping on with me. And, uh, I've always, I enjoy your, our conversation. Uh, all you're a smart guy. I know you're going to land, you're landing on your feet. You're staying busy. As long as you're staying busy, you're staying out there. You keep your name out there. You're, you're doing good things. And you know, it's the same thing I tell anybody else. Just don't give any company any reason to not want to do business with you. That's what I look at it. Don't take yourself yeah. out of the game because you're being dumb. Don't take yourself out of the game, brother. Yeah. And I, I mean, I too, I'm in a, a, just a really great place in life too, Jim. I was really lucky with the money that I made. Uh, you know, up until recently, I have four houses. I got rid of one. Nice chunk of change. I'm on a farm now. I think the whole family farm together is 120 acres. So, uh, you know, I'm preparing for the, for the, about that afterlife. I didn't sure. say that. I'm preparing for life after wrestling. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of the physical aspect of it. So two kids, you know, two women. So I really, I've gotten way more than I probably deserve, but you know. Well, I don't know about that, but yeah, uh, you yeah. did, I think you did out front your coverage for your wife. I just want to tell you that right now. Just full, be fully disclosure that <laughs> uh, she's hotter than donut grease. And, uh, I'm, I'm being said the nicest way I could say it, but here's what happened. See, you, you posted all those pictures of her in competition on Facebook. Uh-huh. I ate them up. She's she she worked her butt off, man. She worked hard. Uh, that yeah. is, she looked awesome, and I know yeah. that's tremendous sacrifice, dieting, nutrition, and exercise. I'm proud of her. Yeah, she did that, and she's got a corporate job too. She works full time, so she would have to get up, go to the gym before work, full day of work, and she's at a, a corporate trainer. So she's, I mean, it's a high level position when she's there all day, all stressed out. Get out of there, and uh. I mean, it was just one of those things where I shouldered a lot of the family work. You know, I took care of the kids and all that and, and did a lot of the stuff at home so that she could have this opportunity to go do that. Because she had competed in two shows before we met, and she won uh, She won both of those. And so wow. she's got a really great record. So she hadn't competed in seven years until those pictures you saw. So she's, she's got a genetic gift, too, though. And she, you know, so she's not arrogant about it at all. Um but she worked her ass off. It was impressive to see. Yeah, it was. She had great commitment. And boy, what a great trait to Shane to have uh, that element in your relationship and as the mother of your children. It's a big deal, yeah. man. So congratulations sure. on that. And I'm proud of you, buddy. You're doing good. If I can help you any way down the road, let me know. And, and uh, you're always welcome on the show. I appreciate you. That sounds great. I'll do it anytime you need me. You let me know, buddy. The Ross Report. The Ross Report. I really enjoyed talking to the Hurricane. Gregory Shane Helms, good man, happy family, doing things he loves. He's a good dad, good husband. That's really where you win the championships right there. That's where you win the belt. That's where you get to carry the strap. So uh, good job, Gregory. Good job, buddy. Have him back soon, I hope. He's, I want to get back him back on the show. We can talk more, some more MMA. So we'll, when some big MMA stuff's coming up, uh, we'll get him on, and he can do some prognostications and may help you because you know he's going to gamble. So you might as well give you some tips, right? Why not? I want to remind you folks in Boston that our ringside show with Jeremy Borash is going to be my MC in Boston on Saturday afternoon, December the 16th, ringside with Jim Ross, first time in Boston. That's a weekend of a WWE Clash of the Champion show. There on Sunday, my little foray with you guys. It'll be on Saturday afternoon. Love to see you there. Tickets on sale at laughboston.com. JB, Jeremy Borash will be the MC. I have a lot of fun working with JB and we'll entertain you, I promise. The QAs will be legendarily uncensored. Saturday afternoon, December 16th, the weekend of the clash in, in Beantown. 
as the beloved girl of Monsoon would say. Can you imagine Monsoon and Heenan reunited in heaven? Woo boy. Maybe my wife's going to have them over to cook Italian meal. How about that? I can dream, folks. I don't, humor me. I can't help it. It's a sentimental show, I can tell you. I sure love that guy. Remember, YouTube, our YouTube channel is free. JRSvideos.com, free. Check it out sometime if you got time. You know that uh, our products, our barbecue sauces, ketchup, mustard, all can be found in Ingalls markets throughout the southeastern part of the United States. They can be accessible in North America at www.shop.com. Fast, online, secure shopping with fast home delivery. www.shop.com. There's no out-of-season for barbecue sauce, ketchup, mustard, beef jerky, seasoning. They got it all. www.shop.com. And, of course, our friends at Ingles. And remember, when you buy some of our products from Ingles, a portion of every item sold goes to Headlock on Hunger. That's a commitment we've made, and we're going to keep it as long as I'm walking around. And my feet covers the grounds I walks on. So thank you. So we talked Boston, December. Tickets on sale now. Class Champions Weekend. Ingles, all good. Oh, yeah, and the book. It's a little thing with that book coming out. Damn. The book is the Slobber Knocker of My Life in Wrestling is going to be out in October, early October. The uh, I have finished the audio version of it, so there will be an audio version of the book. Wherever audio versions of books are sold, you will be able to find ours. I do know that you can pre-order our book at Amazon. A lot of folks have, and we certainly are grateful. Amazon.com, you can pre-order it, save yourself a couple of bucks. I know that uh, PremierCollectibles.com, I think that's what it is, PremierCollectibles.com has uh, some signed copies because they came to my house, and we did it last week on Facebook Live, like I was a big shot, knew what I was doing. I didn't. Also, our book can be found, as I mentioned, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, IndieBound, Books A Million. The bottom line is this. Wherever books are sold, online or in stores, our book, Slobberknocker, My Life in Wrestling, will be available. I'm very excited about this. You all have to understand this year and what this year has meant for me in my life and then trying to finish this book with my partner gone. And a lot of this book, she's in it. because She played a huge role in my wife, Chan. So I really want you to enjoy this book as much as I have uh, putting it together with Paul O'Brien and Scott Williams, late Scott Williams. You know, I lose a writer. Scott dies unexpectedly. Then Jan gets killed. And every, the world changes in this whole process in many ways. So I think thanks to Paul O'Brien's wonderful skill and his, he hears my voice as clearly as anybody's ever heard it. And we're able to work together and amazingly well. I think that's a common denominator that we're just two nice chubby guys that are big wrestling fans. And this is pretty cool stuff. I love Paul. He's a good man. Good man. And we wrote a hell of a book. I'm proud of that too. So uh, check that out. In October, Amazon early, Barnes & Noble, all those places. Wherever books are sold, I'm told by Skyhorse Publishing. Wherever books are going to be sold online or in stores, you will be able to find our book. I will be doing some signings. I will be out there doing some signings. That is a work in progress. Can't get here too soon for me. I'm ready to know where I'm going. We're going to get on the road, and I'm going to work hard to meet as many of you as I can 
and to sign your books. I really do appreciate that, uh, the gesture of uh, support very much. So, uh, good show today, huh? Three good, uh, three good guests. Gosh, it's it's sad that the circumstances had to come like they are, but uh, but you know we're gonna miss Wheeze. God bless him. He's not hurting anymore. He can talk again. He can laugh. He can talk. He's he could be the Wheeze, and we all love that. We're gonna miss him. Oh yeah. By the way, if you are in a media, you have a media job. You're working at a radio station. You've got a podcast. Uh, you're a writer. Uh, you, you know whatever. And you think you might be able to help us spread the word of our book? Uh, we have a website set up. It's called slobberknockerpr at gmail dot com. Slobberknocker, one word, slobberknockerpr at gmail dot com. So check that out. Uh, throw your request on there, and uh, we will respond to every request. And uh, as soon as I say that, somebody's get real cute on these things. I'll get, hey, I've just got a podcast. I've got three listeners. You want to join my show? You said you would. Well, I'll get back to you. Okay, so anyway, uh, PR at gmail.com if you're interested in helping support the cause with some media. And uh, look, have a great day. Thank you so much for joining us, and I appreciate all of you very much for downloading our program on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. You're good people, and we thank you very much for that. Don't forget to support Podcast One and download the brand-new Podcast One app. It's available at the App Store, you know that, and on Google Play. It's one-of-a-kind app, folks, that lets you experience podcasts like never before. So check it out. The new Podcast One app available now at the App Store and Google Play. You will not regret that. And you can also find links to all of my sponsors at PodcastOne.com, PodcastOne.com. Just click on the Killer Deals button at the top right corner of the page. And then, baby, drop the bionic elbow, if you will, on the Ross Report banner, and you're in business. And Dennis will pick up, no doubt about that. Another new show coming next week. Working on a couple of different ideas. I think you're going to like them. Uh, follow me on social media at JRSBBQ on Twitter, Jim Ross BBQ on Facebook and Instagram. And I'll get the word out as to who my guest will be next week. I just didn't have to get it quite finalized for what the, the production here tonight. And I'm not big on false advertising, but uh, we'll be, it'll be fun. And I hope to see you back. So until then, uh, do something nice for somebody that's not expecting it. It's a good thing to do. Golly, makes you feel so good. When's the last time you did? You went out of your way to do something nice for somebody that wasn't expecting it? Maybe it's been a while. You can't remember? Probably do. You probably do. Get after it. And main thing is maximize life's minutes. Don't cheat the man. Maximize life's minutes. We all know the eventuality of how our journey is going to end. It will end. We will transition. So the big deal for me that I'm suggesting to you, enjoy the journey. Enjoy every day until you have no more days. And remember that our tomorrows are never guaranteed. So from the rolling hills of Oklahoma, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to circle our wagons and head on out of here and say, so long, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Ross Report. Download a brand new episode every week at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com.
Want to know why Attack Each Day was on top of the iTunes charts in its first week? What the hell's going on around here? I ripped my headphones off, spun around, and flinged them. I turned around, and my dad is like three inches from my face. And he says, go get them. Gentlemen, we're going to attack this day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. Brought to you by Podcast One Sports. Hear Jim Harbaugh, Jack Harbaugh, and JT Rogan share their stories every Tuesday on Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast on the Podcast One app, Apple Podcasts, and PodcastOne.com. Trump and the memo. I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. Trust your FBI director on this. President Trump is back at the White House from West Virginia. Trust on the memo, Mr. President. On the, memo, sir. on the memo, sir. White House officials say President Trump will clear the way for the publication of a controversial GOP-authored memo, despite objections from the FBI. The memo was prepared by Republicans on the House Intelligence Committee and is said to allege misconduct by the FBI in its investigation of potential ties between Russia and Trump's 2016 campaign. Shots were fired at Salvador B. Castro Middle School this morning in Los Angeles. Two students were injured. The most uh, critical was a 15-year-old male that a gunshot wound to the head. However, we're placing him in critical but stable condition. A female student is in custody, and the police chief in Los Angeles says they believe she is 12 years old. Police say a gun has been recovered. Another student, a 15-year-old, is in fair condition. I'm Ed Donahue. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together... It's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.